if people would just learn that their network is their net worth, they would have such more chance to achieve success. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everyone, before we get started, I have some really exciting news for you. Our famous Fast Foundations Mastermind for all entry-level and early-stage entrepreneurs is now open for enrollment once again. Now, I can promise you that this is hands down the best early stages and entry-level mastermind that is out there, I promise, and for about half the price of everyone else's. But I don't want you to take my word for it. Listen to some of these past members' experiences. Hey guys, my name is Michael Dash and Fast Foundations really helped me get clear on my coaching strategy. They also did a great job in giving me some creative ideas and I specifically credit Chris and Lori to coming up with some fantastic strategies. It is a no-brainer to join this mastermind. Fast Foundations was awesome. Hey, my name is Jackie Service, and the Fast Foundations Mastermind helped me to ignite my business and see rapid growth financially while staying aligned in both business and life. Fast Foundations Mastermind not only helped increase my financial literacy and improve my digital marketing skills, but the power, the true power was in all of the relationships built and the collective knowledge of the other mastermind participants. Listen, all those breakthroughs you just heard are just the tip of the iceberg. We have so many more of them. And if you make less than $499,000 a year as an entrepreneur, I want you to lock arms with us and we want to help your business explode over the next five and a half months. So here's what you do. Rush over to fastfoundations.com. Literally right now, go to fastfoundations.com because seats are really limited and they're going really quickly. And this thing kicks off the very first week of March. So if you want to be in this room with us working on your business and hearing all the secrets that we've used to make our brands explode, drop what you're doing and go over to fastfoundations.com and claim your spot right away. We can't wait to work with you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really excited today because we're sitting down with former NFL player Marcus Ogden. Now, he's had a wild ride from playing successfully in the NFL for five years to launching an incredibly successful construction firm in his retirement to then losing it all. And this is really a story about doing everything right and still making one mistake that can cause you to lose it all. But the best part of the story and what we're really going to dive into today is what do you do after that? How do you make your comeback? What are the first couple of steps you take? And we are going to share his tremendously inspiring story that really led to his newest book, The Success Cycle, which really talks about those three keys for achieving your goals in both business and life. As a matter of fact, we're going to do a deep dive on those three keys and find out which ones are the most important ones for you to apply to your life. So listen, if you want to hear an inspiring story, 
And if you want to gain knowledge on how to get yourself out of any situation that you don't currently want to be in right now, then this is the episode for you. All right, Marcus, my man, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. How about you? Doing all right, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. So listen, we're going to get into all the good stuff about your ups, your downs, the lessons you learned, definitely your book. I'm excited about that. But I want to start the show with rapid fire. It's a really fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And if something really good comes up, I promise we'll circle back around and make sure that we do a deep dive on it. Are you in? Sounds good. All right. Love it. So let's start easy. Where'd you grow up? Washington, D.C. All right. Where do you live now? Raleigh, North Carolina. Man, great spot. What's one of your favorite quotes? Uh, by Abraham Lincoln. If I only have four hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first three and a half sharpening my blade. Oh, so good. I wish more people realized that. They're probably costing themselves so much <laughs> effort and time by, by not adopting that quote. What's one of your superpowers that's made you successful today? My my ability to connect with people and be able to have them like me, but you know, for the most part, you know, almost all people. So <laughs> valuable. All right. What's one of your favorite books other than your own, of course? Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success by Steve Harvey. I've yet to read it. I'm going to have to read that one. A few more here. What's one of your all-time favorite accomplishments? Being drafted to the National Football League. Oh, I would say that's a... That's a huge account. How many people, have you ever heard the stats on how many people, you know, let's say play college football and want to get drafted versus how many really do? Yeah, great, uh, great question. So usually it's you're looking at about, about three, about two to 3% uh, annual where there's been about 20,000 players since the inception of the draft that have been drafted in NFL. Only 20,000 people across the globe can say, I've been drafted in National Football League, and cool there's pro- and there's probably mil- I mean you know millions throughout that time that played college football or played football across seas that wanted to be in the NFL, and so to be drafted into the National Football League is an accomplishment because they always say you have a better chance of being hit by lightning than you do being drafted to the National Football League. Oh my gosh, that's wild. Well, congrats, man. That was such a cool accomplishment. Um, Okay, a few more here. What's one thing you're challenged by right now? What I'm challenged by is just trying to continue to market and grow the brand. You know how it is, Chris. When you're out there trying to grow a brand and get in front of people, it's all about how are you marketing. So this is always a challenge to stay on top of the latest trends to market efficiently to keep getting our brand in the best light. Marcus, that's so true. I couldn't agree with you more there. Two more. What's something generous you've done recently? Done a lot of work in our local communities with the youth, uh, getting back my time uh, through just volunteer coaching. Oh, I love that. We're definitely going to circle back around on that because we talk a lot about generosity and giving on the show. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today, Marcus? I'm grateful for my, for my family. Uh, you know, my family's been through everything with me since, you know, to include the, uh, my bankruptcy, losing everything. So I'm grateful that they are in my life. And uh, it's just been amazing to have them always there. Oh, so cool. If you got family, you got love, everything else is just details, right? Amen. All right. So let's go a little bit deeper. Uh, you mentioned football and you mentioned uh, some of the things that you're proud of. It's a great segue into this fascinating ride that you've had. I mean, we're talking like a roller coaster ride. So you went from playing successfully in the NFL for five years, and we know how big of a deal that is, to then retiring and building this successful $12 million a year construction company. But then 
All of a sudden going bankrupt due to a single business mistake. And now here you are on your way back up at the top, wrote a best-selling book, coaching people left and right. So here's what I want to do to start this interview off. I want you to take me back to the moment where the company was thriving and you made this one crucial mistake. Can you take us back there and describe what happened? Yeah, Chris. So in 2008, I started Katie Premier Enterprise with my business partner. And we launched a company that specialized in concrete work and demolition. So we did that, which was very safe. Uh, you know, good, good profit margin, but not huge. So as the company grew, and actually what really happened is one of my mentors, who was a huge earthwork utility contractor who got all the city jobs and state jobs because he was minority certified, he ended up going out of business because of some issues that happened with the business and some, some, some political things that kind of just you know, ate his business away. So when he left, it left a huge void for someone to step in to that space, which was you know site work, grading, utilities, and all that, and take over. And that's what we did. We stepped in and we ended up becoming the largest African-American subcontracting company in the city of Baltimore, the state of Maryland, uh, for two years. And the company was thriving, Chris. We were getting contracts left and right. We were growing. We were doing things at universities and all around downtown Baltimore. I mean, when I go back to Baltimore, sometimes even, even today, it's fun to see some of the projects that we did. Those projects, you know, still is some of our work from concrete to, to earthwork to utilities. It was always kind of a really nice feeling. But as the company grew, so did my ego. And when the company ended up getting that culture, the employees bought in, unfortunately, to my unhealthy culture of being a, a leader who was egotistical, irresponsible, and had no accountability. The employees started to act the exact same way. And as they we grew, I stopped listening to people, stopped taking advice, and we ended up hitting a snag in 2012 where we got onto a project in the summer that was $4.5 million for an existing client who would, we had just worked for right around the corner for a huge seven-figure you know, job. They took great care of us, paid us early. There was no issues. They loved us. It was great. Well, on this job, we ended up leveraging because of an issue that happened where the job site would not dry. So we had to spend almost 2 to $3 million of our money and pretty much my money, company and my own, to get the job site dried. The job site finally got dried, and then we went to go get paid back by the developer and contractor who promised us an oral and a handshake change order was coming. And we gave him all the paperwork. It said, Marcus, great work, but we feel this was part of your original buyout contract, and we are going to deny your change order. That was in December. And by middle January, we're trying to get a bank line extension and trying to have someone buy out my, my partners part of the business. And we ended up not getting that done. By February of 2013, Caden Premier had shut its doors and we were no more. Man, Marcus, I can't imagine. So you're on top of the world. And this is basically a $2.5 million handshake, a $2.5 million promise. And that's the single thing that sent you out of business. It was the single. It was the single thing, of course. Besides my ego, because my ego caught up with what have probably caught up with me with having the wrong people. Now, unless I change, which 
I don't know if I would or would because I was still so young. I was only at the time 31 years old. And I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know if that was going to be. But when you're 30, when you're 31 years old, trying to get things accomplished and move in that space, it's really difficult. It's really difficult, Chris, to say I would have changed. So I really don't know if I would have adopted what I needed to adopt, which is a healthy you know, you know, um, I don't want to say personality, but a healthy leadership role. So, okay, you mentioned ego. I always talk about ego being your greatest overhead, right? It'll cost you more than anything else. How did you learn to overcome this ego that you keep referencing? You know, Chris, as I started getting older and started to really put myself in a position where I surrounded myself with people who would promote healthy inclusion... I realized that ego comes from being confident all the time. It's good to be confident when you need to be confident to execute your job or to execute a task. But if you're walking around confident all day, every day, every second of the day, then you're going to make mistakes. You're going to start to put your guard down and you're going to think that you're better than you are. And that's when bad things happen. So as I've gotten older, I realized that it's good to be confident, but confidence should not be how I am all the time. And because of that, I've learned that ego is, like you said, one of the biggest overheads and or the biggest killer of any business trying to thrive. Man, I could agree with you more. Okay, so I want to stick to the story here real quick because here you went, you had a very successful NFL career and you took care of your money. I know something like... 75 or 76%, I forget what the number is, of of retired NFL players go broke in their first couple of years of retirement. But you had actually done everything, well, quote, right. So how did it feel to do everything right up to that point and still end up going bankrupt because of one mistake? It felt horrible because I have a degree in finance, right, Chris? So I understand money. And I grew up around parents that made good money and understood the value of a dollar. When I became a statistic, and according to who you believe, it's between 41 to 78% of NFL athletes go broke two years after retirement. So like you said, I had become a statistic, not because of overspending or not because I had this lavish, ridiculous habits. I made one really bad decision and it cost me everything. And as a result of that, I still became a statistic, which I dreaded. So it was a horrible empty feeling. Wow. So, okay. So there's two directions I could go here. And I'm, I have to ask both questions. So first I'm going to go the NFL question. And it's this, why do you suppose, I think the number you used was like 45 to, to 78% of retired NFL players will go broke. Why do you suppose that trend is so high? And what could we do better to change that trend? You know what? I was talking to a client of mine yesterday, executive coach, and he made a statement to me that is so accurate is that the values of NFL players is distorted, where they feel that they have to prove themselves to people with material possessions. And their value system is built on one of proving themselves to people. And I went through that as a young player, but again, I learned how to channel it somewhat and get it under control. But a lot of players are trying to have a value system that's built, Chris, off making other people feel that these guys are bigger than life. And it's not necessary because here's the thing. If your value system is messed up, 
then your habits are going to be messed up because our habits is our value. Excuse me. Our habits are our values in motion. So mm-hmm. if you value being healthy and fit, a habit should be going to the gym. So again, if an NFL, if a young guy's in the NFL and he values showing off, if he values that, you know, being the fast wealthy. life or the fast things are great, right? That makes sense? Yep. He's going to be living a life of habits, trying to always keep up with the Joneses. Wow, that is such a great answer. And you know where else I see this? And now that you coach business entrepreneurs, you probably see this too. I see this in entrepreneurs. Like I see so many entrepreneurs painting the picture that they're more successful than they are, that they're wealthier than they are. They're buying the flash. They're showing the cash. They're doing all these other things, all in an effort to live a, quote, rich or wealthy life. And the problem is these habits of living that kind of life too early are what cause them to lose their business, lose their clients, go bankrupt, and learn the lessons the tough way. If you look at people like you know Bill Gates, who has some, uh, I mean, Bill Gates' house is twenty million dollars, I think, something like that. But Bill Gates is also worth a couple, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, or almost a hundred billion dollars. So twenty million dollars to him is a penny. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos bought an eighty million dollar penthouse in uh, New York City, but he has a hundred and eighty billion dollar business, right? So again, I feel like you said. People are trying to always keep up with the Joneses. They're trying to be, they're living, I call the social media comparison life. Well, what is my competition doing? How big is their house? How flashy is their car? Instead of worrying about you and focusing on you, you start focusing on other people. And when you do that, that is the beginning of the end. As an athlete, an entrepreneur, I don't care who you are. If you start comparing yourselves to others, trying to keep up with what they have, because you think, like you said, that's the image they put out, you're going to spend your whole life always chasing someone else's fortune. Man, Marcus, yes, I totally agree with you. Okay, so using your story, you're at this really low point. You claim bankruptcy. It also hit you personally. This became a dark, deep moment in your life. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Describe what was going on, how you were feeling. I was feeling depressed, lost. I, I had no money. When I got down to Raleigh, Chris, I had $400 in the bank. I literally thought we were going to be homeless, or at least I was because my fiance, who's now my wife, could have moved in with her parents who were probably about 30 minutes away from us in Raleigh. They live in a little small town called Pittsburgh, along with my stepdaughter, who at the time was eight. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, at times she was nine. So literally, I thought I was going to be in a homeless shelter because I had no money. You know, I had a job. I was working at Merrill Lynch. I had no money because I was not going to get paid for almost four weeks. And I had just moved into my new place. How are you going to ask for an extension on the rent? We don't even know the person that well. So I was living in a constant state of fear, depression, loneliness, anger, resentment. You know, but most importantly, I was living a life of blaming everyone else but me. So I was drinking heavily. Uh, again, all I could afford were cheap little lights. I couldn't afford anything else. We ate horrible food from like hamburger helpers to, you know, you know pantry food. Uh, we ate whatever we could just to survive. That's what it was like. It was like survival mode. I felt like I was on the Serengeti Plains out there with the, with the lions and the, and, you know, and the tigers and the leopards and all those animals 
just trying to go out and get and make a kill for the day just to survive. Wow. That's how bad it got. I can't imagine, you know, being the high that you had lived life on before, being in this moment, I can't imagine you figuring a way out, but you did. So what was responsible for your turnaround? What started your comeback? When I was a custodian making $8.25 an hour, I had my pivotal moment where someone's trash, spoiled milk, banana peels, and rotten meat got on my bare skin as I was taking the trash out at about 4.30 in the morning on my ship. And after that, I finished dumping the trash as part of my custodial duties, sat down on the curb, put my head in my hands, and started to cry. And I remembered asking myself, what is going on? Why is this happening? Who are you? Who are, I don't even know the person that's you know, this, on this curb. Who, who the hell are you? And I realized, Chris, I had become a person that had no accountability. And I said, okay, I can have two choices. One, I can either get off my butt, get some accountability, and try to help others not be in this space, or I can spend the rest of my life griping, moaning, complaining, and always being in a position where I'm taking what life is giving me and I'm not going out for what I want. And that made a decision to be a speaker. And I started to be a speaker, Chris, because I wanted to help professional athletes mainly go who, who were, like you said, leaving the game or maybe guys who are still currently playing, learn that they do not need to do what I did, which is make a really bad mistake in business and lose everything and go through the horrific, sleepless nights that I went through after losing my business. Wow. Okay, Marcus, so you can't go from being a custodian with your head in your hands, you know, crying, trying to figure out what you're going to do next to this really well-known speaker making the impact that you are today. So what was the first couple of steps you took to get there? The thing I did, Chris, is I came home and I wrote out my goals. I wrote down exactly what I want to do and I started to put things into action as far as, okay, I want to be a speaker. I want to do this. I want to do that. 42% of people who write their goals down are more likely to achieve success. So that's what I did. And then I didn't have any money to market. I didn't have a lot of social media presence. So what I did, Chris, was I just started to leverage my existing network. I, the one thing I had in my arsenal I had wealthy parents who I was coaching their children the game they love of football. Started telling my clients about that I want to be a speaker. And I just started to network and leverage and network. And then I just started getting a lot of free speeches. And I just started to continue to leverage and network. And then I got my first non-paid corporate job from a Fortune 500 company because one of the gentlemen who ran the healthcare for that company, NetApp, I was coaching both his sons in football and he knew what I wanted to do because I was telling my network and I was marking to them that I wanted to be a speaker. Wow. How va- like how resourceful. So you didn't have the money to market yourself, but you had a network and you just made sure every single person knew what you wanted to do. Do you understand how valuable this is? Like Most people don't realize if you would just shout from the mountaintops every single day, what you're trying to do and that you are open to help, the help would show up. And that's what it did for you. If you here's the thing, Chris. If people would just learn that their network is their net worth, they would have such more chance to achieve success. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, so when was your first big break? 
My first big break was I got my first paid speaking job from Miller Mott College in Wilmington, North Carolina. And they found me through a little app called Speaker Match. And it was actually after, it was probably, Chris, about three or four months after my first book, Sleepless Nights, got released. Oh, man, that's awesome. And from there, that's when you ended up writing the new books, The Success Cycle. Is that right? That's correct. And The Success Cycle came out in this in uh, 2020, which is more about what I've done between my career as a professional football player, a construction company owner, and now a speaker, trainer, author. The three main pillars that I have really found, if you put those into a cycle, can help you create success no matter who you are, what you, who you are, what you're doing, and what path you want to proceed down. Okay, so you know I have to ask what those three main pillars are now. Of course. Number one is ambition. Setting your goals, creating your roadmap for success. How in the world can you achieve success if you have no roadmap or don't even know where you're trying to go to achieve that goal or that dream that you desire? Number two is drive being inspired over motivated. If you're inspired, it's about making a long systemic change to grow a real business or a real long-term plan for success. If you're motivated, you're only going to do it for the short term because you're just trying to get, you know, rah, rah, or all excited for a day, a week, a month. You're not committed to the long-term plan. So you want to be inspired over-motivated. And the third is hard work. Focus on you, not the competition. We said it earlier, Chris. Stop worrying about everybody's social media posting. Worry about what you're doing, what is your plan for success, and you can achieve what you desire. So putting ambition, drive, and hard work and hitting the repeat button for whatever you want to do, whatever type of business venture you have. I don't care if if you're a chef, real estate, mortgages, it doesn't matter. If you're a podcast person, it doesn't matter. If you put these three things into the cycle and continue to hit repeat and have an underlining foundation of where you want to go in life, you can achieve success. All right. So obviously, all three are, are of utmost importance. But if I made you pick one, what's the one you'd lean on? Ambition. You have to have goals. If you're driven and you're ready to go out there and run through a brick wall every day for us to your life and you're inspired, that's phenomenal. If you're hardworking and you know how to focus on you, that's fantastic. But if you don't have a roadmap or you don't have goals, then being driven and having a hardworking skill or mentality, excuse me, doesn't matter. All you're going to do is go through life doing whatever you feel other people tell you to do. You're not going to have that ability and desire and that burning sensation to create your own goals for your own success. Oh man, I love it. It's so well said. Okay, and that's what you do now. Like you help business owners do this with themselves. You take them through the success cycle. Is that right? That is correct. I executive coach people who might be stuck in their journey. They have a good business, right? And they're growing, but they might be stuck at that point. They're trying to figure out better marketing strategies, how to leverage social media, how to create a strategic plan, uh, a tactical plan. They might be missing some uh, strategic ex- some strategic execution, uh, you know, capabilities. And I really take them through a coaching program for either six months or a year, and it's really a customized 
coaching approach. Every one of my clients is unique and special. So I'm always going to create a customized plan that's going to help each of my clients achieve the goals that they desire to get them from where they are to where they want to be. You know, on the show, we talk a ton about money mindset, generosity, and, and all things that have to do with finances. And working with all these entrepreneurs, I'm sure you see a common thread when it comes to how they think about and how they view money. So I got two questions for you around money. The first one is, how do you view money today compared to when you were playing in the NFL? And how, what common thread do you see among the clients you work with in how they view money? I view money as a tool to get what you want to have in life. I don't view it as the end all like I did when I played football. When I was in football, I was about how much money can I make? How much money can I make? You know, how can I build wealth? How can I amass all this? But I didn't really know what I wanted it for. Today, when I work, I'm all about creating value through my work and helping others achieve massive success. The money comes along as a part of it. And if you view money as a thing that is a tool to help you live a life and not the end all, you're going to have the best chance of achieving success and wealth beyond your dreams. And all of my clients, we have the same conversation. I will help you grow your business. I will help you with you know, where you want to go. But you have to have the value system to know money is necessary, but it's not everything. Because if you have the attitude that money is everything to you, we won't work well. Because again, you're going to end up chasing money. And if you start chasing money, and that was my problem, Chris, when I first started in this business. I chased money. I chased fame. I chased everything that was wrong. Versus today, I chase the desire to help my clients. I chase helping people achieve their dreams. And because of that, more money, more success has come my way. And when you have that value system, that is going to get you from A to Z. Talk to me about generosity and giving then. So now you have more success, you have more money coming your way. You said you spend a lot of time giving back through coaching youth. Why is that important to you? The youth is our future. Like our society is built off of what is our youth going to do? Because eventually the millennials will get to where I am. I'll get to be, you know, in, you know, in my 50s. And then next thing you know, I'll be in my 70s. The millennials are going to be in their 50s. And then our youth are going to be right here in their 30s. And if we don't have some type of value system, some type of just, you know, structure to help these young people understand that they are the future, we risk having a future that's not very bright. And unfortunately, with all the social media, all the, you know, where everybody wants the quick fixes, the, you know, instant success, I'm very nervous that as our kids grow up, I really hope that they don't think that overnight success or quick fix or get rich quick schemes is the way to live life. Because if they do, we're going to have a problem. Because our youth are going to be the ones leading us, and that's going to put us in a situation where the youth under them are going to have messed up values and moral systems. So that's why I really try to spend a lot of my time educating the youth about the value of hard work, consistency, ambition, and don't look for a quick fix. Go out there, do the work, put the time in, get your elbows and hands dirty, and that's how you can achieve greatness. How do you want your... I forget, do you have uh, one or two kids? Two. Two. How do you want your kids to grow up and view money and success? 
I want my kids to understand that their legacy is about what they do to help other people. And that if they learn how to help other people, the money that they want to make will follow. And I have two girls. So I want them to understand also when they're looking to choose a partner, a spouse to be with them for the rest of their lives, they need to find someone who's going to value them, right? Who has the right systems of morals and the right system of serving other people. And I want them to understand that it's a partnership. Like my wife has a full-time job as a teacher. She brings capital in. She takes care of our insurance. I am more of the entrepreneur where there might be some months where I might make, you know, $100,000, $150,000. There might be some months where I only make, I don't know, $25,000, right? But still more than the average person. But here's the thing. My wife's job as a teacher fulfills her. Because of that mentality, because of her ability to see that we are a team, that's why we work so well. So in my line of work, when I first started out, Chris, there was a lot of times I didn't make anything in in some months. I mean, I made nothing. Versus today, of course, it's a lot different, but it took time to get there. So I want my daughters to understand that life is about sharing, it's about togetherness, and it's about creating value for whomever they want to be with and whoever whoever wants to be with them coming together and making a, uh, a unanimous effort to build the best life and then teaching their children the same values that they've learned from me, from, the, from their, you know, my wife, and continue to work down and build that lifelong legacy. Oh, man. I love that. So valuable. Listen, where can we get more of you? Where can we follow you? Where can we tap into you? <laughs> you can go to my website, which is www.marcusmarcusogden.com. You can go to LinkedIn, which is at Marcus Ogden or Marcus Ogden. Then Instagram is my at Marcus Ogden. Same with Facebook, Marcus Ogden. And then my Twitter is at Marcus underscore Ogden. Marcus, I love it. Everyone's going to definitely go check you out. Check out your book, The Success Cycle. So last question for you that we ask everybody. And it's this. Give me a reason why we should be more unapologetic about our pursuit of success. You know what? No one should ever apologize for wanting to be successful. But here's the catch. Success is in the eye of the beholder. Is success to you money? Is it wealth? Is it what your family thinks of you? Is it your legacy? Is it what you leave behind to other people? Kobe Bryant's gone. I mean, it pains me. He's gone. But the legacy he left, he was more than basketball. Yeah, he was a phenomenal basketball player and all this type of stuff, but Kobe was the epitome of chasing success. And I've seen a lot of things on him lately and I didn't really realize he was more of a family man than anything else. He's like, I want to pick my daughters up from school. I don't get time with them on the road, so I want to do that. I want to be there with them. I want to make sure I help my wife with the groceries. Like, He was just a guy that had the same mentality. He was the Black Mamba. So to me, you shouldn't apologize for wanting to have success. But this, again, remember the one catch. Success is in your eyes, not what you think other people might judge success. That was my problem when I had my construction company. I was at the end, I was chasing what other people, or I was chasing what I thought other people would think about me for having millions of dollars, more success. Today, I realize I have a much better profit margin in my work. 
It's less stressful. I'm making more of an impact and I have a better success mindset. And it's not about what do I do well. It's about how do my clients do that I speak to, I speak for, I coach, I consult. Because really, to me, that is my idea of success. But yours could be different. So again, I don't think you should apologize ever. But be careful. Know what you want. Know what success is in your eyes. And do not try to live your life thinking that other people's success might be money or cars or fame. It's what you should chase because that could put you in a bad spot. Man, I love it. So well said. What a great way to put a bow on this thing. Marcus, I can't thank you enough for your time and and coming on and sharing not just your story, but all the knowledge that brought you from a really tough spot to where you are today. Really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. I'll leave you people one thing, Chris, is if they want to be successful, remember this. You have to believe it before you see it. If you don't believe you can be successful, nobody else will. So you have to be your number one fan. Again, be confident, but not egotistical. But if you want to have success, you have to believe it before you can see it. Man, I love it. Appreciate you. Thanks a ton for being on. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.